What's going on, coaches? Hopefully you guys are all doing well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys here pretty soon. Uh, get back on some videos as soon as the season's over. Get some people uh, up to the RTP dojo and and get back into the swing of some off season here in the next uh, here within the next month here in Oklahoma and and in Iowa. So uh, we're looking forward to all that, guys. We got some other things uh, coming for you guys that we haven't talked about just yet that we've been kind of working on last off season a little bit during this season, but we'll ramp back up again uh, and we're excited to push out to you guys. If you need anything from us, uh, want to see any videos or other podcasts, you can find that at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at just play. The team at just play hooked us up with their product. As you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. As you guys know, power counter inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, So we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part saves time on defenses, save times on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just play as a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Terrence Orr II. Coach Orr is the OC for Dallas Carter High School in Dallas, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Orr about building fast, physical, and explosive offenses at all of his stops. You can follow Coach Orr on Twitter at Terrence Orr II. Hope you guys enjoy. I came from I come from a football family. Uh, my name is Terrence Orr II. I'm offense coordinator, quarterback coach for Dallas Carter. Um, my dad played for the Washington Redskins, played at UT, played uh, fullback, played for nine years uh, in the NFL, won two Super Bowl rings, one in 1987 with uh, Doug Williams, and one in 1991. Uh, I have two uncles, one that played for um, U of H, and one played for, uh, no, I'm sorry, Texas Tech. One played Texas Tech, and one played for Texas State. Used to be Southwest Texas back in the day. Um, I think I have three younger brothers. One is Zachary Orr, who played football at the Soto. I went to Soto High School. Uh, played football at UNT. Got dra- undrafted free agent by the Baltimore Ravens. Um, played only for three years, but in his third year, his only year started, made uh, second team all pro. Uh, had to retire a little bit early due to a uh, diagnosis he found in his C1 vertebrae. Uh, this C1 wasn't fully developed. 
And so uh, basically the doc, team doctors didn't want to give him a chance. Even though he felt fine, played football his life, uh, didn't want to take that chance. So now he's assistant coach, linebacker coach up there now. Uh, another brother, uh, Nick Orr, played for DeSoto as well all four years. Uh, played at CC with Gary Patterson. Uh, I picked up undrafted for agent, little by Chicago Bears, and now I'm looking to be coaching somewhere. And my baby brother, this past football season, played for Wisconsin, uh, played linebacker for Wisconsin, um, undrafted free agent, and got picked up by uh, Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so we're a football family, man. We get around, we talk football. That's all we talk about. I've been blessed to uh, my first two years. I, play, I, went, I played at Texas State, walked on. Um, after I got done coaching, I, after I got done playing, I started coaching at Mesquite Poteet with Randy Jackson. Um, gave me my first opportunity. After that, after my first two years, I spent four years at Alma Mater at DeSoto High School, coached wide receivers, where we was able to win the state championship, school's first state championship, down 16. Um, then after that, I got an opportunity to be an offense coordinator at North Crowley in 2018. I uh, was there for two years. In 2018, my first year being offense coordinator, we actually had the most yards per game in uh, 6A, in Texas 6A uh, football, playing against Arnton Martin, Arnton Lamar. So pretty good, good competition. Blessed to have some good, for, uh, blessed, good, good athletes and, and compete at a high level. And now I've got the opportunity to be at Dallas Carter, the legendary school, probably the best school I've ever been at. So uh, football has been my background forever. I think my second words I said when I was coming out the room was counter Trey. You know, my dad played for the Hogs, <laughs> Washington Redskins, man, and, Counter trade was that's all he talked about before I knew what it was. So it was it was uh, definitely incredible. Uh, been blessed to be meet, meet some some incredible people, man. Uh, this past football, this past year, the NFL draft, I coached Lavisco Chenault, who played at Colorado, who got drafted by the in the second round by Jacksonville Jaguars, and James Porsche, who broke all the kind of records at SMU, who got picked up by Baltimore Ravens. Uh, <laughs> since this COVID nineteen hit. I've been blessed to sit a part of my brother's Zoom meetings with the Panthers. So I've been blessed to be in some great opportunities, man, coaching great players, man. So uh, my football career is just starting, but I'm excited for the future holds. What did you play when you were playing? What position? I played defensive back, man. I played defense my whole life. Me and my brothers played defense. My dad played offense, man. And so it's incredible that I'm offense coordinator. It gives me a little bit of advantage, but <laughs> I played defense my whole life, man. So, so how did how did Dad take that? Because that's that's my big question. I'm an offensive lineman. Uh, my son's only six, but he said, you know, he wanted to play quarterback. And and when I was growing up, my dad was an offensive lineman too. That was like, you know, that was shunned. You never want to go play quarterback. You want to play offensive line. How Dad take? You know, he's a fullback to me. That's you know a little bit tougher maybe even than offensive lineman when you're doing that in the league. Uh, and you're going over there uh, with the secondary. Right, man. It's truth be told, man. It took kind of hard, man. He was kind of <laughs> you know, he, he liked it too much, man. It took kind of hard, but you know, he, he he bounced back. Once we realized he was actually good at playing defensive football, man, he he had no problem with that at all. So <laughs> that's right. Well, I actually got to see. I think in sixteen. So sixteen, you were at Desoto. Uh, did you guys play South Lake in the playoffs that yeah, year? Yeah, we did. Play, played him in the second round. Played him in the second okay. round. Okay. I actually got to go to that game. We had already been wow. kicked out in Oklahoma. I got to drive down. My mom lives in uh, Wiley, uh, so okay. it was close to wherever that, that game was. It was some huge stadium. I don't even think it was a high school, uh, any particular high schools. I think it was just some huge, right. awesome stadium out in the middle, middle of uh, the city. But got to go out there. What a team you guys had that year. You guys were, I mean, it's at every position. So to me, as an offensive line coach, I'm looking at the offensive line. I don't even remember, you know, I know you had a huge quarterback and it looked like huge receivers, but where I was just awestruck was I was like, 
man, their, their offensive line's bigger than the University of Houston's ever was when I was there. Uh, and then I look it up and got guys going to LSU and going, I mean, it was, and, and they got after it too, but that was an unbelievable team that year you guys had. We appreciate it, man. Uh, I think at left guard, we had uh, Edward Ingram, who plays at LSU right now, actually started in the National Championship game. Uh, we had our right tackle, Xavier Newman, who plays right guard for Baylor right now. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody on that offensive line general went defensive, uh, actually went D1. Uh, right, I think our right tackle plays Missouri. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, center went to Colorado. I mean, there, there was some mean guys, man. <laughs> mean guys. But the crazy thing about it, though, man, is that the offensive line that you saw that year was not the best offensive line that Soda ever had. It was That wasn't the best team that Soda ever had either. You know, wow. uh, I've been, yeah, man, that 2010 year at the Soto, that probably was the most talented football team I've ever seen in my life. Um, he won everywhere. Uh, the competition was at all time high, but that was the first I would say collective team who had who came together as brothers for the one common goal to win the state championship. You know, Minnesota always had great talent, but that that was the first year I seen guys come together in brotherhood and say, "Hey, let's go win this thing seriously." And and also we didn't have to play against Kyler Murray or Allen either, so <laughs> that was great. Broke <laughs> my heart three years in a row. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, well, it's kind of funny. We're a little in the same boat. I, I was, I went here to Broken Arrow High School where I'm coaching now. That's where I played my whole life. We had never won a state championship and, and we're the biggest school in the state. You know, we were, you know, so we should have won a bunch of state championships and we've had some really good teams as well. Um, but as a player and, and my whole life growing up, we just never won the big games. We never beat the big rival. We were always, you know, the losers, you know, it just right. is what it is. And then, it wasn't until I coached a few years and we finally did win our one state championship, uh, you know, two years ago. But that was such a cool experience for me and, and kind of curious how that was for you because you were a guy that, that played and, and you had been through all those years where you guys were really good, hadn't quite made it, you know, happen. How cool was that to be an alumni and then be a coach there and bring it to your, um, to your town, uh, to your school, be the, that very first one and you're a guy that went there. Right, man. I can't. I can't describe it to you, man. It was a. It was a great feeling. Uh, going through elementary school, middle school, high school, walk through those hallways, being a teacher now, being a coach, you walk with a sense of pride. You know, uh, it's at practice it's a little bit different. You know, the weight room is a little bit different. It means something to you. I appreciate you know exactly how I felt and get over that hump. You know, it wasn't just for that team that for that 2016 team. It was for all the years prior to that. Uh, and I told those guys it was bigger than that. You know. And, and those guys realized that, man. So it was a, a great feeling. I, I really can't describe it, man. But to do it for the seat of DeSoto, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Coach, we uh, unfortunately had to play DeSoto in 2012 when I was at Jenks. <laughs> um, sure, sure. And it was, you know, week one, you know, August. It, it was actually kind of a crazy story. We, we got to go up and, and they flew us up. They, I, I'd never done this in my life. We had, we had a, a booster that was nice enough to do it. But. They flew us up the day of, like, DeSoto's scrimmage. So we got to go scout you guys, you know. So you didn't get to see, you know, all the stuff. It's a controlled scrimmage. You're calling plays. You're like, okay, yeah, I mean, that, you got some really good athletes and guys. But you didn't get to see the tempo. Right. right? Yeah. So, so we, we, you know, we get done. We fly back to Jenks, and you're kind of, you know, breaking it down. And we get down there, and I'm not kidding. It's 125. We're playing at 4 in the afternoon. And, and they – you, the the breakneck pace that you guys played was, was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, again, you know, you had the, the running back on Ohio State, the quarterback that's a punt returner for TCU, 
But, I mean, you had athletes all over the field. And I think one of your brothers might have been playing, too. I think I remember it in 12. But, yes, you know, we hung we hung with them for about a half. And then I'm like, man, we, we, our guys started dropping like flies. And that was when, you know, the second wave would come in. I, you know, I'd be like, hey, the, you know, the backup nose tackling. And, and Dave Alexander gets on. He's like, what's he going to, Texas? <laughs> and I think, you know, he's, I mean, so he'd be like, it didn't even matter. But, I mean, you talk about, you know, one, what a collection of talent. But the, the breakneck pace that those guys played football was extraordinary. And it was so fun. Honestly, I mean, we're getting our butt kicked. It was fun for me to watch because I'm an offensive guy like you now. And I'm like, man, that's how I want to do it. I assume you might be a little bit the same. Oh, yes, man. Uh, the offense court at the time, uh, and actually the head coach that won the state championship at DeSoto, Ty Peterman. Um, mm -hmm. During that year, I was coaching at Mesquite Poteet, but obviously I definitely had ties to DeSoto. My little brother, Nick Orr, was actually the one that blocked the punt, if you remember. He was the one that blocked the punt. Because I, I had to take over punt after that because he blocked yeah. two of them. <laughs> that was my little brother. That was my little yep. brother, Nick Orr, man. And that, that's why I remember the name. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's my little brother. But – you know, Ty Peterman did a great job in practice, you know, setting the pace, setting the tempo. You know, in the summertime, it started in the summertime, uh, offensive line, uh, it was that the incline was on 13. The speed was at like five miles per hour, six, but they had to run it for almost 20 minutes. And if Coach Peterman saw their hands touch the rail, he would literally start the thing over again. So it built that toughness of, you, even though the kids were tired, you're not getting tired. This was after conditioning. Um, and also during practice, we had a tempo period. Our team segment, you know, we were, we were probably scheduled 40 plays, but try to do it in 15, 10 minutes. You know, we were trying to go as fast as possible, man. And it definitely paid off at the end. And I definitely took that with me to North Crowley, and it definitely made a factor. Are you guys still a tempo team? Uh, or is that something you still want to, are trying to work in and, and use uh, where you're at? Most definitely, man. Um, we, we are definitely a tempo team. Um, a little bit different from my day at DeSoto. I obviously don't have the kind of athletes I had up there at the time at North Crowley when I was at North Crowley. But uh, we were tempo, but also unbalanced, unbalanced formations. I'm a big formation guy. Uh, I don't like to sub. Uh, we, we base out 11 personnel. Um, and like I said, I love to do quad, quad formations, uh, bunch, tight end bunch, anything we can get possibly up off of the uh, defense, get defensive out of whack. And um, so, yeah, definitely a tempo team, but more unbalanced. So, so then when you're getting your, your tight end and your tailback, because so, that's, you know, we're looking into it a little bit. We've been a 21, 22 personnel team. Uh, we've had really big offensive linemen, big tailbacks, and, and this year we're going to have, you know, some really good skill kids. And so we want to get the best 11 on the, on the field. And you watch, you know, LSU is a good one. Uh, obviously everyone's watching them. They're staying in 11 personnel, and they're in every formation. Um, I, I think that – the tough part probably is for us is the tight end, getting him where he needs to be and getting the tailback where he needs to be. Are, are you teaching those guys, you know, all the different formations? Are you putting in certain tags for the tailback to line up different? And you don't have to obviously say what they are, but are you giving right. tags for the tailback? Are you giving tags for the tight end? Or are you teaching him every formation? How do you get that to those two guys? Because obviously it's, easy for the five offensive linemen. It's probably right. easy for the three receivers. Um, right. To me, those are the two guys that it becomes difficult for because you're asking them, or at least us, we want to be able to ask them to get into so many different formations. That's a great question. We uh, base out of pistol. So running back for the most part will be in pistol, depending on if it's a, run, if it's a reading defensive end or reading down line, and obviously he'll be an offset. But 
we have a formation period uh, for 10 minutes every single day, 10 minute formation period. And we take the, the formations we like for that game that week and we work those, work those formations. And the tight end and the quarterback, I will argue in our offense is probably the most important positions of the group, especially the tight end. Um, I don't know if you guys had that trouble, but you know, figuring out when is it with the offensive line, when with the receivers and vice versa. But the tight end most, is by far the most valuable person we have right now. And we do dive in a little bit of 12 personnel. That's what we will sub. But for the most part, we handle that all this confusion by having a formation period for 10 minutes every single day. And we work it, work it, work it, work it. Just repetition. What, what's the tempo of that formation period? Are you guys, is that a slowed down tempo and you guys are, are jogging to the different formations? Is that something that you're trying to get them um, in condition during that period? How are you guys running that, that formations period? That's a great question. Uh, during that part, in the first portion, it's a walkthrough. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have our varsity in the front, their backups behind them, but, but the, under, uh, the JV and the freshman are, are 10 yards behind. And when they see the signals, they go with, they go with everybody else. Uh, later on, we have a, a tempo period to where we spot the ball every five yards on opposite hash. We have a quarterback there ready, ready to roll. Uh, the receivers know they're supposed to throw the ball to the umpire, not to the side, not to the sideline, uh, side judge at all. And so we work that, and it's up, to, up and down the field 50 yards every five yards, down and back. We try to go at least four times. And we do the action for inside run. Huh. That, that's that's a huge, I think, tip that, that you talk about there that I only barely caught as an offensive lineman, but it was just hearing wide receivers getting screamed at at Houston was how big of a deal it was who the receivers gave the ball to. Something that I would have never, ever thought of, but how much faster you can go when you give it to uh, you know, the ref in, in the middle of the field as opposed to dropping it on the ground or giving it to the, the sideline judge or uh, anybody else. It was something that, and you talk about it, but it, it was something that we actually had to work in practice. We had, uh, you know, GAs that or, or guys that were equipment staff out there and uh, they were running and hustling around and the receivers had to give it to them and then get back into their formation. And that allowed us to work even faster when we were such a high up-tempo team. Oh, most definitely, man. I think that you stress the issue to these kids, and they'll definitely understand that. And, you know, because we tempo so fast during practice, we definitely didn't have condition after practice. It was very rare. Um, but like you said, handing the ball to the umpire made the offense go that much faster. Uh, I think we played his arm to bull in 2018. We ran 92 plays. And so it was just, you know, our kids were conditioned. And when it, when it's, it's something about when the old lineman comes to the sideline, they tell me, hey, coach, they're, tap, they're tapping out. They're tapping out. We got it. And it, 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 it lights up an office line, you know. They block a little harder, you know. They, 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 they're excited. And so we practice that way to get them confidence and let, let them guys understand, hey, it's going to be hard during practice, but in the game time, it's so much easier. And so that's how we establish that tempo. So with the tight end being such an important key, and, and this is where I, we always have trouble, um, at least, you know, in my, my opinion, is tight end – when he's really good, your team can be really good. You can be really multiple. The tough thing is if you've got a 6'4 kid that's 220 pounds and a super mega athlete, well, the defense would love to have him an outside linebacker or middle linebacker or your quarterback coach might want to have him at quarterback or, you know, your receivers coach. I probably want to put 20 pounds on him and make him my left tackle. How do you guys go about being very conscious of that position and finding your guy and being able to put him there at tight end? That's a great question. Um, one thing I learned from Coach Peterman, 
who was who's the head coach at Brewer High School right now. He taught me that you know we start with the middle school. You know, identify who that tight end body, most like outside linebacker slash tight end body is that seventh grade, and really work with that guy. You know what we do uh, as a program is that I make sure that middle school at least for the first half they have a tight end information, they have a tight end, and so those kids know when they come to high school I'm a tight end. They know that. Um, to answer your question, yeah, we always love the 6'4", the 230-pound guy. You know, I, I was blessed to have – you actually use LaVisca Chenault, who was, like I said, got drafted by uh, J- Jacksonville Jaguars. He was our tight end at Soto. You know, I didn't have that in North Carolina. You know, so, but he was the, the, the backup running back. He was a third-string running back. So he was able to be the tight end slash H-back. He's a physical guy. Um, and like I said, getting those backup outside linebackers, the, the, the offensive lineman who's – maybe not as big, you know, hey, play time for, for us. So it's, it's definitely a battle of uh, 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 trying to figure out who can be tied in. But we stress the issue from middle school all the way up. By the time they become played for Dallas Carter, they know I'm a tight end. So, Coach, so being, being 11, being 20, having a tight end and three receivers out there, uh, my, I'm curious, what does dad say about that? Dad goes and, and watches the game and, and his position that he made, you know, all, all his money off of, all his fame off of, and all these Super Bowls off of, and, and you don't even put that, that position out on the field. What's dad, what's dad have to say about that? Man, and my first, my first time calling the plays, man, he was, he was excited, man. It's crazy. All my brothers thought I was be straight 10 personnel, empty. I said, man, I'm, I'm an old school guy. I mean, we're going to run the football, baby. And so um, – he, he was happy, man. He was really happy. He said, from the sideline, count a trade, count a trade. <laughs> I'm looking back up. Like, what are you talking about, man? But, nah, he, he definitely loved it, man. And, and it's good to see happy smile on his face. Like I said, he definitely got stories about Joe Gibbs. That, you know, I even got the playbook right here of the old school uh, uh, with, the, with the Redskins, man. And so it's, it's definitely a blessing. <laughs> I, I could only imagine, you know, if my dad was in that situation and then, you know, we, we lose a game. I'm the OC and dad's there like, hey, you guys didn't run, getting to run counter trade one time with the fullback. I mean, what do you expect? Y'all already know he's telling me that. <laughs> Coach, man, I got to ask you, I'm always interested, you know, asking the, the coordinators from Texas, you know, seven on seven. You know, to me, it, it's huge in the state. Obviously, you guys have a state championship in it. You know, what are – what are kind of your goals, you know, going into seven on seven? Are we gonna, are we gonna try to win? Are we gonna run, you know, some some plays we might not normally run? Are we gonna try to run our offense? Are we gonna be tempo? I'm I'm always kind of curious to hear, you know, your guys' kind of take and philosophy on what are we gonna use seven on seven for for the Dallas Carter program. I, I appreciate you asking that question. Um, we definitely run our plays. We never add a play just for seven on seven, uh, because we look at seven seven as competitive practice um that's our time to master our plays that we're gonna run in the fall um yeah we want to compete and win at the same time state championships not win doing seven on seven um like i said kyler murray who won was with allen they didn't win seven on seven but they won three straight you know um i think who, who won it this past year duncanville who made it to the state championship two years in a row they're not they don't compete in seven on seven a whole lot but they made they played in the state championship two years in a row so uh, it's definitely it's definitely important because we're gonna run our offensive plays at a high level and compete against great competition. But at the same time, you know it's not win or lose. We understand that at the end of the day, you can you can throw the ball all you want, but the big boys up front that's what it comes down to. 
Coach, and then I, I think the other big one uh, in Texas, at least when I think of Texas, is as I kind of think about the, you know, Texas relays uh, with track, how much are you pushing, you know, skill guys, big guys maybe even, uh, to go out and be a part of the track program? I think that's something that, you know, Texas as a state in general has done such a good job of. And, you know, I think there's probably schools here in Oklahoma that, you know, you say you want your kids to go run track, but if you've got a track program that's not very good and, and a track coach that's not very good, you know, maybe you don't want them to go run track. You'd rather them run with, with your football coach. I think in general in Texas, you know, those programs are set up so well that your guys go there and, and they do become so much faster. How does that work, you know, sharing guys between football uh, and track and, and, and because again, in Texas track is just such a, at least being down there when I was there is such a huge uh, part of the football community. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, personally, I would say that besides the head coach relationship with the principal, I would say his second most important relationship is with the head track coach, honestly. Um, it's very important. The reason why I say that is because track re- in football, you can hide behind your, your teammates and track is you, everybody, your eyes, all eyes are on you right there. And so you see, you see a kid, how can you face adversity? Man, maybe he doesn't run the, the time he wants to run. Now, how does a kid face adversity when he has to throw as far as he wants to throw? You know, and I love, that's why I love track because at the end of the day, it's you, you got to compete. Um, but I, like I said, I will argue that the probably most important relationship is with the, the head track coach, man. Um, it definitely helped the program at DeSoto. You know, like I said, Duncanville, they do a great job, North Shore. Lancaster, Cedar Hill, you know, those guys in the South Dallas area, they're, no, they're, no more, no, they're actually one of the top times in the nation and are normally one of the top teams in Texas as well. Um, like I said, for the skilled guys, of course, especially at Dallas Carter, it's mandatory, um, unless you're playing basketball, of course. But if you're not playing basketball, you're running track. Um, like I said, I think track is a different type of toughness that is the same as football as far as tough, but a different type of toughness, if that makes sense. Like I said, you can't hide in that track. <laughs> you can't hide at all. That's become such a huge piece, I mean, for the, the skill kids. And I tell, I mean, our, our skill kids in, in Iowa, you know, a lot of them were complaining, well, you know, coach, I'm not getting recruited and stuff like that. I'm like, well, you got to throw down times. I mean, right. it's, 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 not, it's not dad holding the stopwatch and running, oh, yeah, he ran a 4-5 falling out of, out of a plane in a parachute, you know. Like, no, man, you got you to go to a track meet. You got to get times. And once our guys started to kind of realize that, all of a sudden the floodgates start opening because everyone wants verified speed. And like you said, they want to see you go, hey, I, I heard the kid from Duncanville can go. I want to see the, the Carter kid compete against the guy from Duncanville. And it's like, all right, that kid's got a little bit of something. I think that piece right there, especially if you're a skilled dude, it separates the men from the boys. Yeah, you are exactly right. You know, college recruiters now, you know, they really ask us about 40 times. They normally ask us about track times. Where you run the open, in the open 100? Coach, you run a 10-3. He's fast. You know, they know that. You know, what is he running the open 200? Because he's running a 20 point. You can't lie about track. You know, everybody can lie about, like you said, the stop watching the, the dad holding, taking time. He's on the 4 4. Everybody's on the 4 4 now. But you can't hide it. You can't lie about the track times. And, and that's and normally when recruiters come, we get the first question to ask are they a multi force athlete? Is a skilled guy in track? What's his track time? And if he's not running track, it, it gives, especially a skill position, it's a more of a question mark. Like why is he running track? He's not confident in the speed. What's going on? So, but yeah, track times is best, definitely it. Coach, you've touched on uh, a couple of, of the different, you know, who's who, you know, teams in Texas. And, and it's really unfortunate that, I mean, where you guys are, you're playing 
I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know for sure what your district is right now, but you guys are playing, you know, three or four nationally ranked teams every single year in your conference. And then um, just talking to most of the teams in, in the Dallas area, if you're lucky enough to make it to the playoffs, I mean, it is murderer's row for, I mean, from, from week one. I mean, you would think if you had five or six weeks of playoffs that the first two weeks would be, would be okay. But when you're in Dallas, when, when you're in that area, the way Texas sets it up, um, it, is, it is horrible, you know, from, from week one of the playoffs. And, and, and with it being so long, it's almost like a, an NFL or college season. I mean, you guys are getting five extra games on top of the games that you guys already have. And so, and playing these unbelievable teams, um, does it, do you as an offensive coordinator have to look at how you structure practice, how many plays you're getting, um, knowing that, hey, if we want to go win this whole thing, then we're going to be playing five more games. It's going to be a lot more on our guys. Oh, most definitely, man. Um, you know, when I first started coaching, uh, when I was at DeSoto, you know, we used to practice grind for Monday through Thursday. You know, the year we actually won a state championship, we had no, we imp implemented the no sweat Wednesdays. And also, um, our, our athletic program was able to get a GPS system that, for the monitor the chess. We was able to figure out, okay, how many kids, how many guys, how many miles these guys running a day? You know, what, what, what's going on with their bodies? And, and we was able to check that. We didn't pull practice back. And I think it definitely helped us out because the mindset is every season, especially in Texas, we're playing for 16 games. We're not playing in 10. So you got you to stretch your practice like that as well. Stretch the, the, first four, the first four weeks, the second four weeks, the third four weeks, and vice versa. So the mindset is 16 weeks, and our practice definitely helps our kids out because I think a lot of times we can grind, 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 but at the end of the time, making sure the kids eating or the kids taking care of their bodies. And a lot of times, the kids are not. And so it's up to us as coaches to monitor that and pull back a little bit. Still practice with intensity, but instead of five-minute segments, four-minute segments. Instead of 24 periods, maybe 22. You know, I feel like listen to kids' bodies. Even the kids will never say, Coach, they will always say I'm good. But monitor their body language. See what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, definitely the mindset is 16 weeks. And like I said, definitely a gauntlet. Is, I, I, I realize not necessarily the best team that wins state. It's normally the most healthiest team that wins state. And so, like I said, this past year, Dunkerville, their quarterback, was towards ACL in the semifinals. If he would have played, I truly believe that they would have won the state championship this past year. So, like I said, it's, it's normally we try to monitor kids' health on the regular. But like I said, Texas, man, it is a gauntlet, man. I'm trying to tell y'all. Unreal. Yeah, guys, man, my, my second year, yeah, my, no, I'm sorry, my third year at DeSoto, we played against IMG on a Saturday at 1 o'clock. I'm looking around pregame, looking at their defensive line. We got kids. That's, and those kids you saw, they were juniors. The offensive line you saw on stage, they were juniors. Yeah. They were going against five stars all across the board. It was incredible, man. And play against Shea Patterson was the quarterback. He was a quarterback of Michigan. You know, it, it was incredible, man. But one thing that I can tell is that when you practice against – you play and practice against high-level competition, it makes you better in the long run, man. I tell guys all the time, the offensive office line, hey, you're going against a five-star defensive lineman. The guy you lined up Friday night is not better than that guy you practice with. Same thing with receivers and DBs. So the level of competition, we try to bring that on. Get the kid the confidence and say, hey, guys, you practice against better competition, then maybe you're going to play against. And if you do play against good competition, you should be confident because you are prepared against that type of athlete. So, so on that same kind of path, the, the interesting thing to me with Texas, and, and it's, you got to, you know, it's a little bit 
more of a game than Oklahoma. Oklahoma on, on Mondays, we have our JV games. And then on Fridays, we have our varsity games. And so what that allows us to do is probably because most of the teams have smaller numbers than Texas teams is, you know, our second string quarterback gets to get all the reps on Monday. Our, our you know, six through 10 offensive linemen gets to get reps on Monday, but then still be the backup on Friday night. And so now they're still getting all these reps, but then they still get to be the backup where, uh, you know, in Texas, a, a lot of the times, and, and curious how you guys do it, but, you know, a lot of times you got a true JV team that goes on Thursday. Uh, and then a lot of those guys aren't going to also play on Friday. They're just on a Thursday night. Um, how do you guys balance that out as far as you want these guys to get, you know, playing reps? You want them to have game reps in JV, but you, with the game on Friday, it's more important to have them healthy and, and ready to back up a starter that might go down. How do you guys look at that? How do you, when you guys are deciding who's on JV and varsity, how do you guys work through that? That's a great question. Um, one thing we try to do, we actually grade our scout team. You know, our JV becomes a scout team for the varsity. And depending on how they, how they practice and give us a good look, they will suit up for Friday nights. And so it's more of a competition. So if you have a good week of practice, you're, you're the backup on Friday night or maybe the third, third string. But, um, but if, like I said, if maybe, you know, we had an off week, you'll be on with JV. And so we, we, try to, we try to make practice as competitive, as much competitive as possible. Um, we try to compete at a high level and just make sure to make some guys understand that, hey, you know, it, it's going to be tough because, like I said, they have a full practice and they got to be scout team. But we try to reward those guys with suiting up on Friday nights or maybe buying them donuts or something like that, just letting guys know they're important. But like I said, I, I really believe that to order to build a football program, your JV got to be strong too, because those, those guys are the future. Coach, I'm interested in, in talking a little bit, you know, about kind of like, like almost like yearly planning, you know, as an offensive coordinator, knowing you guys are going to play a, a rugged schedule and, and, you know, run the gauntlet. You know, there, there's still got to be some games where it's like, man, you know, that, that's going to be a must-win game because knowing they'll, maybe two or three of these games are going to be dogfights, but we got to be, you know, these three, four teams or whatever to make sure we, we get into the playoffs, you know. How do you kind of plan that out? I know when, when I was coordinating things, you know, you'd, you'd want to be practicing things, you know, earlier in the season, you know, just for a segment, five, ten minutes, you know, to have it kind of built in for when we, quote, played Union or we played, you know, Jinx or Broken Arrow, something like that. Is that something that you guys are able to do or, you know, are you conscious of maybe, you know, some of the things that you're kind of setting up, you know, building those tendencies? And then when I get into these big games, I know I got to win. I've got a shot player. I've got a trick play or reverse or something like that off of, you know, what you're going to do later on in the season. Almost oh, definitely, man. I definitely learned that from Coach P. at DeSoto, you know, uh, when we was at the Soto playing against Cedar Hill, against Joey McGuire, you know, we, we would set up things three, three or four weeks in advance. So they would put it on film, and they would do something a little bit different, add a little wrinkle to it. Uh, it's definitely, the, I try to instill that philosophy to Dallas Carter, you know, maybe read three technique, then next week run wham, you know, we're cutting him. You know, maybe we run an inside zone uh, slice, split zone, then next we run a slip, we bypass a reading that guy. So I definitely feel like, Especially in Texas, we definitely got a game plan. We got a game plan weeks in advance, especially those must-win games like you talked about because, I mean, guys are good. Coaches are good. You know, kids, kids watch film. Coaches watch film. They study too. So I think that you will be a disadvantage if you just game plan for those must-win games. 
the week before. You got to do it two or three weeks prior. So you mentioned you're a big, you know, a big formation uh, offensive coordinator. You like getting in different, you know, formation and defenses, unbalanced, uh, you know, uh, big into formation. So when you come in on a Saturday and you're getting ready for your next week's game plan, what's your process through that when you're breaking down a defense? Are you going to go straight to watching them by formation? Are you going to watch a few games full through and then go through formations? Are you going to – what's kind of your process when you first start breaking down a team uh, to decide what your game plan is going to be going into that week? Um, we always watch the full game through. And then after that, we break down the formation that we, we run. And then we'll basically um, – after that, excuse me, We'll, we'll, we'll work in, okay, what, what quad formation we like this week, you know? Uh, and also, we, we love run empty. I think you talked about earlier a while back in your podcast, a lot of people have empty checks at all. And so, you get an empty, then you want empty quads, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and so, we definitely watch the game first through, and we talk about the, our best formations for our best base run plays, base pass plays. And after that, we throw in a wrinkle, you know, and what, is our, what is our one or two uh, quad formation we like this week? And then, by, then we'll add, sorry, I'll slowly but surely add on or take away uh, as the week go on. Is that something with the empty and, and, and with quads, is that something that you try to show early to see, hey, are they lined up? Do they know what they're doing? Um, or is that something that you just try to hit at some point in the game? What, as a coordinator, what are you, what are you working with that, with, with that? What's your thought process with throwing in empty and quads in the game? I want to see you early. I'm not gonna lie to you. I want to see. I want to show me your hand now. Because think about it. What I'm realizing, especially with quads and empty, it's not about the coach. It's about the seven to eighteen year old kid. Okay, you make the adjustment on the fly, and then we add tempo to that. You know, it definitely throws a wrinkle to them. You know, I can line up and trace it, tight end trips, and then tight end trips with the quarterback on the quarterback, the receiver on the outside to do quads, you know? Okay, how are you going to adjust, especially in 3-4? We're going to do it with the outside linebackers. He'll play a 9 technique, he's going to uh, be in between 2 and 3, you know, and so stuff like that. So it's – it's. I want to show you a hand now. I'm going to get it in bunch sets early. My, my first 15 plays, bunch, stack, you know, 20, 11, I want to see it all because basically what I mean, if, if that formation works, I'm, go, I'm going to be in it till you stop it, you know? Make, I mean, one thing my dad always preaches – he told me one time they ran counter tray and, and they, they ran it five straight times in the NFL. You know, these are grown men, professional guys, man. And so, you know, if, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it, man. So I definitely believe that. Do you ever think about holding on to certain formations until, you know, the second half or until, you know, third quarter? Because I, I always feel like that's like the big tricky thing. And I'm not a coordinator. I just, just work with the run game, but it's, when we are talking formations or formations that we think might really screw with the defense, I think the big argument always is, hey, do we do it now? That way we can, you know, start really getting into it. Or do we save it for first, second series of the second half where they don't have that that chance to to go in and, and make an adjustment at halftime? Now we're forcing them to make that on the fly. Uh, does that ever come into your to your thought process or – or are you always, hey, let's try to get this thing on them as soon as we can. Let's try to build a lead. Man, that's, that's good. I'm more like Steph Curry. I don't mind shooting the three. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind because at the same time, it's not necessarily, yeah, we have a formation. We show it early, but we have wrinkles off that formation. That right. makes sense. I, right. I might, okay, we might line up in it, but we might motion to it the next time and vice versa. 
So I think that I don't mind, I don't mind being the aggressor. I believe that, you know, you, you miss all the shots you don't take, you know. And so if basically why I hold off in the second half where I can get on the team now, you know, and build that confidence. I just believe as offense coordinator, you be the aggressor. You, you, let, you let the kids know we throw the first punch. We don't, we don't retire. We don't hold punches back. We're throwing the first punches. And so to answer your question, yeah, there's some, some things in the second half that we will make adjustments by as far as that they know, okay, this is a formation we do. But one thing we try to do is we mix up our formations week by week. So this, this is our quad formation week one. This may be our quad formation week three and vice versa. So it's not the same, it's not the same thing each and every week, if that makes sense. I like that too. And I mean, and I think again, sometimes, you know, like, like your dad had said, you know, if, if we, we come out and we're, we're smashing them in, you know, our, our base stuff, you know, it's not like I got to show any of that stuff, but then, you know, later on, if I am trying to set something up or in the second half, it's like, Hey, we should show, you know, quads for, you know, our, our next week opponent, then you can kind of get into it. Or it's like, you know what, Hey, we're, we're mashing them with power. We're killing them with screens, whatever it might be. I don't have to show it now. I can maybe save it for, you know, another week. It always kind of comes down to, you know, what was working sometimes. Some days it doesn't matter. I'm calling whatever. It ain't going to work. Other days, man, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm throwing the darts at the board and they're all working. So kind of crazy that way. Uh, most definitely. So, Coach, I'm kind of curious and, and haven't asked this one yet, but uh, now this is my second year to get called JV offense, which is uh, has been fun, especially because there's no pressure with JV. You get to call it and, and have a little fun. But my whole first year, it was just I'm going crazy and trying to get it going and, and you know, is you know, almost throwing darts. This last year, finally we had, you know, a game that we kind of came back, but it felt like I was in a rhythm and things were flowing, and I was like, Man, I understand why why being an OC uh, is fun and why it's a little bit intoxicating and how cool this can feel. Do you remember maybe your first game as an OC that that you really felt in rhythm and and felt like, man, this is awesome. This is what it's this is all it's cracked up to be. Man, I never forget uh, two years ago being the first offense coordinator, six A program, play against the Colony, um, and we didn't score on the first drive. And I was like, we supposed to score, you know, and the head coach was like, relax, man. You know, it's going to take time. And, and after that, we got the ball rolling, man. And we finished up with, I want to say, over 600 yards of offense. And we, and we literally we literally split half, 300-something yards rushing, 300-something yards passing. Uh, fortunately, we lost that game. It was a shootout. <laughs> but – you know, that gave me the confidence and it gave the best of the kids confidence that we can score anybody. All the hard work, the tempo, the tempo practices, you know, the, the daily grind, it definitely worked out. So it definitely felt good getting the rhythm, man. And, you know, once that happened, you know, the kids were confident that we can score anybody. And we did. So then I think my other question, and you touched on it a little bit, is, is being a defensive back, having, you know, two or three brothers that are all defensive players, how much has that helped your quarterbacks with you being their coach or your offense with you being their coach? Obviously, you, I'm sure, are, are, have a lot better grasp on it than your high school quarterback's going to have. How much do you try to feed them about what a defense is thinking? How much do you hold back from them? Because, you know, if you overload them too much, then you're not helping them at all. Um, but I, I'm sure it helps you as a coordinator, obviously just knowing what the defense is thinking with their coverages, with their fronts, with, you know, just the thought process of a defense. How much of, of that, though, are you able to push over to your quarterbacks? Man, um, 
it, it definitely it's definitely a blessing in disguise, man. You know, I would never thought me playing defensive back and actually my first year coaching, my first two years coach, I was coaching DBs, you know, that it would help me out tremendously as offensive coordinator. You know, having three brothers who uh, like have a brother right now as assistant, linebacker coach for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I mean, I get to ask some questions, you know, hey, you know, y'all lost against Chiefs this past year. What, what was Andy Reid and Pat Holmes doing? What was your, what was your mindset against him? You know, how would you, you guard Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on the same side? You know, brother played for Wisconsin. Y'all, y'all played in Big Ten, big, uh, big Ten Championship game. You know, what, 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 was, what, was you, what was Justin Fields doing? What was Ryan Day doing? You know, what, I get to ask questions all the time. And so it's a blessing in disguise for not only for me to play defensive back, but having my family members play defense as well. Because I get to ask those questions that, you know, I think some people not be able to ask and get immediate feedback, you know, especially my brother being at CCU, Nick Orr, I picked his brain all the time with Gary Patterson, you know, the guru of the four two five. you know, okay, y'all running quarter, quarter halves, what's going on, you know, and, and, and I'm able to share the information with my guys, man, and, and being at the Soto coaching wide receivers, you know, it, it made me a better coach overall because those kids, you know, coaching high caliber, high caliber athletes, they want to be coached. They want to know the why, not just, okay, I run a curl route. Okay, why am I taking inside stem? You know, why, why, why am I doing this? You know, you get, and they made me a better coach. But to answer your question overall, playing defensive back, having brothers coach defensive ball is the best for me being offensive coordinator. I get – me and my brother was talking yesterday about um, uh, Wolverine, you know, about, hey, what did Ryan Day do to y'all the first time y'all played? And so against a double four eye, you know, stuff like that that – Memories I can I can talk about any day, Coach. I, I got to ask you then. You know, with your your brother being with the the Ravens, how do you stop Lamar Jackson? <laughs> man, he, <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't know. Keep the ball in his hands and have Derrick Henry yes. <laughs> run run the ball forty times, man. Keep but, him off the field. Yeah, most definitely, man. And and, it's, it's, and the only thing that's unfortunate about this business, obviously, is you know I'm I'm not able to see go to a game, actual game, because of coaching, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, in my bye week, I had to – it's funny. You know, it's a blessing this guys as well. I had to balance, okay, do I go to the Ravens or do I go to Madison, Wisconsin, you know, this past year. So, it's, it's a good thing to have. You know, my, my son, he's been to more Baltimore Ravens games than I have, and I'm kind of jealous. You know, <laughs> but uh, the answer to your question, start Lamar Jackson, I don't know, man. He, he, he – the sky's the limit for that guy, man. And my brother told me after his first year that he's going to have a year like that, and I think it's only up for him. So, we'll see. So, Coach, bringing it back to, to – you talked about wide receivers. You were a wide receivers coach. And, and so, uh, curious, if you can go back into that, that thought process, what do you think you as a, as a defensive back and having such a – just as a player, what do you think you as a defensive back um, could coach better to the receivers than most receivers coaches that only played uh, on the offensive side could, could help their – their receivers with I don't know if that comes out as as a good question but I'm kind of curious what are what did you dig into more knowing what the defense is trying to do a a defensive back specifically is trying to do against a receiver that you would have some insight in that some guy that's just only played receiver his whole life maybe doesn't have that type of insight into and I I would say um definitely the releases for the receivers you know um you know obviously a Defensive back, we try to mess up your rhythm, you know, and understand, okay, why is why is the DB playing outside leverage? Why is it head up? Why is it inside leverage? Um, and understanding the, the why, you know, I think I'm able to tell the receivers, okay, not only look at the, the defensive back, but look at the safeties as well. You know, is he two yards outside the hash? Is he two yards inside the hash? Is he six yards 
is he in the box? Is he not in the box? You know, certain things that I think a lot of receiver coaches neglect. And then we can obviously have a lot of catching ball. We can catch, uh, catch the football. We can, you know, break on the cone and stuff like that. But under teaching the why behind defensive backs doing what they do, I think that gave me a little bit of advantage. Uh, of course. Well, well coach, kind of rolling up on an hour now, um, and a short, short hour, it seems like, but um, only a few minutes is what it seems like. But before I, we cut you loose and let you go, kind of the, the thing I always like to ask guys is when you're watching another team's offensive line, um, and, and again, with, with uh, your dad being on, on um, uh, such an unbelievable team that's known for running the ball, um, and so I'm assuming even as a, as a kid, more than most kids, you, you probably watched, you know, uh, the, the big guys up front. When you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Man, um, I would say communication first. You know, watch the offensive line communicate, the fronts, identifying the mic and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, a lot of people do it. A lot of high school kids uh, programs do a good job. But also the main part is finishing finishing the block after contact. I love when offensive line tee back guys. I love when offensive linemen drive people to the sideline. You know, I just say certain takes an attitude. You can easily block a guy, but at the point of contact, are you finishing the block? You know, and, and we definitely get points as an offense, but finish the block shows me a lot. Because you're teaching, it, it rubs off the identity of the offensive line coach. That, hey, we're going to finish the block no matter what. Coach, man, it's been a blast. Like Coach Harper said, it's been a, a fast hour. You know, it's been a, a fun hour, and I've had a blast talking to you, man. It'd be it'd be awesome, you know, with all this stuff opening up. I'm hoping I can get down south, but I get to that Dallas area, man. Would love to stop by and, and pick your brain and and maybe you know talk talk to Nick uh, about you know him him <laughs> pushing me into uh, special teams. I was the idiot that that spoke up in the special teams and being like, man, we need to do something different on punt. And Coach Trimble's like. All right. Well, you got it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> were, you, were you guys doing? Were you guys doing shield punt then, Walls? No, we were straight up regular pro punt. We we'd done it the year before or two years before, and we didn't give up a single yard returning. So I mean, it was, we were we we're good at it, but they had a really good stunt. And and Nick, I mean, he just hit it perfect twice. And then I mean, he he's just taking the ball off of the guy's foot. I mean, just <laughs> just primo and beautiful. So we we completely scrapped it after that, and and had to go kind of you know reach and rugby style. So your brother your brother literally changed our entire special teams game plan for the rest of the year. And and honestly, you know that was our second loss. We ended up winning the state title after that too. Yeah, so I heard, man. I heard, man. I definitely let him know, man. And like I said, I appreciate being on, fellas. More than you know, y'all do a great job for outlet for coaches and continue to do what y'all are doing, man. And it's an honor to be here. I can't wait to meet y'all in person. I love to talk ball with y'all anytime. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.